Welcome to Seth Farbman on podcast from startup to stock exchange. Good afternoon and welcome back to the podcast, Startup to Stock Exchange. And today we have a very exciting guest. And it's um, not often that you meet a CEO or a company that revolutionizes an industry. You know, I always say, if I am starting a company or companies that I've looked to start in the past, I either look for a pain um, and I try to plug up that pain or it's got to be a luxury item. But to actually revolutionize an entire industry as this company is, is, um, is going to be very insightful for everybody listening here today. So with that introduction, I would like to invite a, uh, a newfound friend to, uh, to join us today, John Passamoto. He's the CEO of a publicly traded company called Drive It Away, ticker symbol DWAY. Very cool symbol, by the way, D-Way. Um, welcome to the show, John. Hey, well, great. Thank you for having me. Very, very excited to be on here and tell a little bit about what we do because uh, uh, it is exciting. And and the automotive industry has been very, very traditional and very slow to change. So we think it's very ripe, uh, you know, for um, for things like ours uh, to take hold. And really, as as the whole industry transitions from um, gas powered units to EV vehicles. Um, we think there's a lot of companies, you know, kind of like ours that are going to be changing things and changing things pretty dramatically. Well, the few times that we've had a chance to speak recently, one thing that I've come to know about you is that you are through and through a car guy, however that's to be defined, whatever the definition (laughs) is, you meet, you meet that definition, but let's, let's, let's back up and tell us a little bit about what drive it away does. And then we'll get into the uh, the journey of how you landed where you are right now. So tell us a little bit about the company. Sure, absolutely. We, uh, uh, I think maybe like most startups, we we are attacking or we, we in the process of attacking one large problem uh, in the industry. Uh, we found that we solved a bunch of others. So the large problem that we solved uh, or that we we began to tackle was this problem of subprime and deep subprime credit. In the United States, if you have uh, excellent credit, um, you can pretty much walk into anywhere and get a car immediately. Um, As your credit and as your access to a down payment uh, goes down, your options get very, very limited to the point where there's something called the buy here, pay here market in the United States, where if you can't get bought by anybody else, you go to a, a small dealer, um, and they'll finance your note, but that option's not very, um, you know, it, it doesn't work very well. I mean, typically you're uh, paying for a vehicle that will break down before your note uh, goes down, uh, and okay. and it's um, uh, you know the carrying costs are tremendous, and the interest rate usually is whatever the maximum rate is in the state. So it's an industry really that. And this is where we feel technology revolutionizes things. It probably was okay 30 or 40 years ago, right? When um, that dealer really didn't know whether you'd see the vehicle at all again, right? There was no telematics to trace it. Payment was very, very clunky. You know, typically it came in with cash and pay. But we looked at it and said, well, you know, if if this, if this industry is justifying itself by 30% profit margins because there's 30% losses, we can narrow down and limit that risk and losses so we can also uh, reduce uh, the profit margin. And again, we see a lot of friction and we can reduce that. And very simply, 
what we do is um, someone comes in and, and it can mainstream in a, in a franchise dealer and they don't have enough down payment and their credit score isn't quite where it should be. Well, they can start driving the car immediately right? Um, and pay usage fees, right? pay subscription fees. Right? They go towards reducing the value of that car or correspondingly their down payment. So when those lines intersect, now they can buy the vehicle that they've been driving anyway. So it's a it's a it's a sale that starts in a rental or a subscription, but unlike other rentals subscription where, where folks will pay forever, right? Uh, you're actually getting the benefit of what you're paying in. Very very simple concept, right? But Seth, if I told you that 10 million cars a year later last year went through the buy here pray here process, where folks were literally you know paying uh, you know three four times what the actual value of the vehicle was at thirty percent interest. You would say this is a big problem, right? Wow. So that was our original problem to solve. We also, and there are good, you know, franchise dealers that want to expand their market share by subprime folks and deep subprime folks, but they didn't want to get into that sort of messy business. So by cleaning everything up, putting it in an app, the person pays in an app, the vehicle is tracked by by telematics, right? Uh, now it 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 kind of reduces the friction, cleans up the process, and allows um you know lots of, of good dealers to get in this mix and allows that person to in fact build up credit right and 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 build up and build up the buying process and that way it sounds corny but we really change lives i'll, I'll tell you john i as i'm hearing this story i'm just thinking back to my first car um i was probably um in my first year of law school you know i know today probably you know people get get cars even a little bit younger i was in my first year of law school my first car, my dad could not help me out. You know, he did everything he could. He was a college professor, didn't have a lot of extra income to help out. And it was a red, bright red Ford Tempo, if you can picture that in your mind, with a huge hole in the passenger side floor. Like, think, think the Flintstones when you're running with your feet through the ground. Literally, that's what my first car was. And you know, clearly, if something like this was around uh, back then, my options would have been uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit better. Um, how long has the company been been operating for? We've been around since 2019, um, and uh, like I said, that was the original problem we tackled. Uh, and we're a platform, or then, and now we're kind of a hybrid platform for dealers, so dealers could put their vehicles on. Right. Essentially, that person could drive until they raised enough down payment and then and then purchase. Right. Um, then we discovered another problem that we were solving. Uh, this actually came to us. One of the largest uh, contract labor organizations in the country uh, came to us. This was just before the pandemic um, and said, uh, look, we, we've studied this problem. Right. One of the biggest, in fact, the biggest impediment to successful entry-level employment is lack of personal transportation. And this company actually set up an accelerator within this large company to solve this transportation issue because virtually in every major city except New York, jobs are one place and the people to fill them are someplace else. Right. And while it's nice to say that public transportation solves it, it really hasn't, right? And so, you know, the second largest impediment to successful entry-level employment was lack of childcare. 
but interestingly enough, it was related to the first because if you didn't have your personal transportation, you were limited to the childcare in your local area, but with personal transportation, it broadened it out. So they came to us, and this is why I know we're the only ones doing this because we're not very visible and, and we're based like you are in the Northeast and this company was based in California and, and they found us, right? Okay. Uh, somehow they found us and knocked on our door. And we did a really neat pilot where it was proven that uh, uh, recruitment goes up four times the amount is their, their, their results. Uh, retention goes up three times the amount and, and really good things happen. Right. Um, wow. You know, someone goes from contract employment to, to uh, direct employment, you know, puts overtime in. And so that was an additional problem that we found to solve. Now, I hate to be long-winded here, but then that pandemic hit. We were a platform for dealers, and and the historic car crunch happened, right? There were no sure. new cars. There were no used cars. Nobody had anything. And, of course, dealers weren't going to reach to do transactions because they were, uh, you know, they, they had three cash buyers for every vehicle they had. So right. we took a step back, and we looked at what was happening inside the car industry, right? We're, we're doing this unprecedented shift from gas engines, right? Internal combustion to electric, right? And there's a lot of hesitancy with the general consumer public of moving to EVs. Uh, the number doubled last year, but if I told you that of, of the number of EVs sold, 98% were luxury or premium luxury vehicles, you probably wouldn't be surprised, right? But that's no, just 20% wow. of the market. Okay. A stat that you would be surprised with though, and Mary Barra, you know, actually researched and came up with this, 98% of the folks that bought EVs last year owned two other vehicles. So you pretty much know you're going to the affluent. And 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 there's good reason why, right? One is EVs are priced 20% higher than normal gas units. So, you know, if, 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 if I can't afford a vehicle or I barely can afford a vehicle, I'm not going to pay the 20% more, right? Uh, and the second, and this cuts across all, you know, incomes and, and and credit ratings is, you know, I've never driven an EV before. I, I'm really hesitant, right? Will it fit? You know, can I charge? Can I charge if, it? If home? I had, if I had, sorry to interrupt, John, if I had a dollar for everybody that said, Seth, you've got to try an EV and I just haven't brought myself to do it yet. Um, you know, it looks like something I would enjoy. It looks like something that I would like to take advantage of. I just haven't brought myself to do it. And and I don't judge anybody. I was at I was at a uh, an investment banking conference not too long ago, and I won't get into the details. But the CEO of, of a EV related company, we were hanging out outside together. A valet comes around, pulls up his uh, his vehicle, and I'm like, oh, I got to check out this EV. And it's a huge gas guzzling Range Rover. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't I don't judge anybody. <laughs> But um, but that's but that's interesting that you pivoted to the EV category. Well, we took a step back and said, what does driveway really do? What does our technology platform do? And one of the things is spread out that upfront cost over a period of time, which is how Subprime affords a vehicle, right? And the second is, you know, it's kind of like a call option. You got the right, but not the obligation to buy. So if you buy the usage fee you paid in goes towards reducing that purchase price, right? Building the down payment, but there's no obligation. And and we saw that, hey, you know what? This is perfect for EVs, right? For all again, income demographics and credit ratings. It's like we're spreading out that upfront cost. Now the advantage of an EV is your fuel cost is much much less, right? Equivalent to a dollar a gallon of gas, right? Um, so you're getting some of that 
that usage feedback by driving, but only if you're in the vehicle, right? Uh, and, and of course, it's an open-ended contract. You decide you don't want it. You don't get the usage feedback, but you can turn it back in. So we saw it right. as a perfect vehicle, no pun intended, for EVs. And so during that period of time, we ran our own EVs, uh, our own vehicles, you know, on our platform, just, just to make sure we had all the nuances right, because everyone's a little bit different. Um, sure. But now, and this is the beauty of it, we combine the two, right? Because there are moderately priced EVs out there. We now have uh, major tax incentives, federal tax incentives, both new and used EVs. So, so okay. picture this, right? I can take a um, entry-level income person, put them in a Bolt EUV as a, as a subscription or leasing company, take the tax incentive up front because that's already been ruled on. Treasury says it doesn't matter where the car's built, where the battery's built, right? right? Run them in the vehicle for 24 months, then sell them that vehicle at a price that's three or four thousand lower than your average used three or four year old used car, right? Um, with a four thousand dollar tax incentive that will be money that will go on the hood that the the consumer can write it back, um, you know, four thousand or thirty percent, you know, whichever is less. So you hmm. get the benefit of two federal tax incentives, and now this person we've literally flipped the service pyramid on its head, right? Because now this person that was usually subjugated to a, you know, a, a, a junker used car, right, to be very frank, now is in a brand new EV, is is experiencing the fuel savings, the maintenance savings, right, um, and is buying it for way cheaper than what an older used gas unit would be available. And, and that's where we see. I'm, I'm convinced. Sign me up. That's, <laughs> well, that's, that's where we see this conversion will happen in the country because right now, right, um, you know, the, the mainstream consumers aren't buying EVs, right? Uh, you know, Athlon are buying Teslas and, and, and you know, uh, Rivian and some of the others, but, but, but the average consumer isn't. But we see this is the way to move that forward. So this is the other sort of big problem that we're tackling, um, just, with, just with what the platform and the software is designed to do. Let me ask you this, John. So after hearing um, you speak for just a few minutes, I I don't I think you would confuse anybody listening. In that, is your background in economics and finance? Is it in cars, or is it in technology? Take a step back. What's your background? Where are you from? And how did you end up in this position? So I'll give you I'll, I'll give you a funny story. Right. Um, it went to business school, and I went to law school. Right. Just like you did. Okay. And, that that explains part set, of it. Okay. Well, and I, I was all set to go into the uh, I, the high end world of finance that you're in, Seth, because that's what I was like, ready, ready to roll. And I, I'd done some stuff with the brokerage firm. And um, this tiny little, and I'm dating myself, Chrysler Plymouth store, it was in the family. And it was so small that um, it was what they call a closed point, which means if if it didn't go to somebody like in the family, it would close up. They wouldn't keep it open, right? Mm. And I had the opportunity to make this buy of the century, right? I figured, gee, I'm getting into this really, you know, really, really cheap. Now, granted, this was three acres, and the manufacturer puts a, a number out there called planning potential and how many vehicles you're expected to sell a year. Well, this place was so small, it had a planning potential of 160 cars, right? I mean, okay. it, we're, 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 we're talking small. So I got this place in the wintertime, 100% true, and I'm, I'm there, and it, okay, it's a it's a 50-year-old facility, and you know, everything. It's really ancient, 
right? Two two car showroom, and, and it starts to snow, right? And it snowed more, and it snowed more. Make a long story short, by the end of the day, the roof had caved. <laughs> I figured, okay, no. most people don't know where the career ended, but 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 you know, at least I know that's it. Anyway, what what we discovered then is uh, commercial sales, fleet sales. And I liked fleet sales because we would add the extra service of delivery and nobody ever knew how big the store was or what the store looked like, right? We would deliver the cars right. all over the place. And 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 we got to be, in a very short period of time, the third largest um, fleet Chrysler Plymouth store in the country, fifth largest, you know, wow. numbers rolling, right? So that that caught the buck. And ever since then, this is this is this has been a car. I, I've been a car guy. Right? It's a You're long, a long time ago. Okay. So wow. It's still a small store, sold it off to the chain because we couldn't get any larger. We were landlocked. I mean, we had three acres, and and at our peak, we were delivering 500 cars uh, a month, right? And and you wow. couldn't park anywhere near that. Uh, so we had to, like, park across the street at the right end. It was, it was, um, then I went to uh, – actually, one of the manufacturers called me to design the small fleet program for their dealers because the thing about commercial fleet is – there's a there's a, a very small number of very large ones, and there's a very large number. It's a pyramid of very small ones, and the only way to reach that is through dealers. But dealers don't understand how to sell commercial. So I designed the program for one manufacturer, and then another manufacturer called. I designed that, um, and after that, you know, looked straight at automotive retail, and was involved in in, in new technologies in automotive retail. So this is where we got here four years ago. It was all right, where is the friction in the automotive business right now? Well, okay. it's not so much in, in new and good credit, right? Um, the, the, the internet has rationalized that, and now digital retailing is rationalized to some degree. It really is in this lower credit area where we still have the same friction that we had. Literally, that piece of the market hasn't changed in 50, 60 years, right? Everything else has changed except that. So that's what we tackled with the drive away platform. And then it expanded in the other areas. So I'm a I'm a reformed uh, lawyer, reformed uh, car retailer. How's that? <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Well, it it also sounds like you uh, you have the gift of storytelling, which is gonna, I guess, lead me to my next question. You um you seem to have tackled different areas, whether it's technology, whether it's taking on um, different parts of the industry that um you're not afraid to uh to undertake something that you're not too familiar with what in the world possessed you to take this uh this route of becoming a publicly traded company which i'm sure is uh at the time maybe is maybe always will be for some of us foreign territory um why go public i'll tell you why the the intent here is i i think we've got a good platform and i think it can uh, scale very quickly. There's certainly the problem that we're solving is really large, right? We need a certain level of visibility that will make this change happen, right? And I think going public allows that to happen from the customer base, from the investor base. And, and I take the model, and again, I don't, uh, not equivalent to, but I take the guide of Elon Musk, right? He changed the face of EV retailing. Right. And he did it being very, very visible and a very, very visible character in a public company. And right. people forget that 
I mean, that that company was on the straights for a long time in terms of losses, in terms of capital need, in terms of how he took back uh, and financed his vehicles off lease, which was very, very important. He took them all back and he controlled the used car price, right? All of that couldn't have been done unless he was public, right? right. And so I'm looking at that guide and saying, how can we spread the word out so, so you have the flywheel effect, right? So it gets to... Uh, potential customers that know we exist. It gets to dealers to use as a platform. It gets to investors and it sort of all melds into one thing. So, so that's the intent, Seth. That was the intent of, uh, of tackling this. Some people would call me crazy and uh, they might be partially right, but you know, <laughs> it anyway, well, no, was- I think, you know, you know what, you know what I think it stems from? I mean, you, you clearly have, I was talking to a, uh, the CEO of a biotech the other day and, um, you know, I asked her, you know, what in the world possessed you to uh, to, to to go public? Um, she's listed. She's she's listed on Nasdaq, and and she said you cannot do this job unless you have a passion for it. And I think anybody who hears you speak for two minutes or more, you know, it's undisputed. They they hear in your voice the passion and the excitement that you have for it. Um, you, you know, I, I think that in terms of of the 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 gift of the gap. Or storytelling, you 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 do a very good job of it. Again, the few times that we've spoken, you know, a lot of times uh, I myself, whether you know at the transfer agent or other things that I've been involved in, we're usually running around at different conferences. Um, whether it's giving out popcorn, whether it's hiring Jeremy Pivens or Jeff Garland to to hang out with us, we've we've done some crazy stuff over the years. But in talking to you, it sounds like a lot of the car or auto or oriented shows are approaching you to come speak. Um, what types of topics do they want you to to address? What types of audiences are you getting in front of? Um, we'll we'll talk about the capital market side, but on the auto side, what's what's the audience that you're that you're addressing? It, it varies. It it kind of falls into three buckets, right? The first bucket are retailers looking to facilitate change, right? And it is happening even in this traditional business led by the public uh, consolidator dealer groups, right? But everyone's moving towards this digital uh, sale. But but in something like a vehicle, it really isn't the case. Every All 50 states, you need wedding signatures, but you can do a rental in digital and um, they see this transition to evs and and there's a whole lot of things that have ramifications for dealers here how how to leverage the the uh tax incentive on evs so there's that bucket i'm doing a remarketing conference the end of this month uh and i'm doing a auto intelligence summit uh, in next month then there's the um what i would call the kind of technology startup mobility folks that don't have as much to do with retail Right, but have a lot to do with hey, there's a transition happening in this big industry called uh, automotive that's now mobility. So I'm like doing the the move um, conference in the UK and then uh, the one in the US. I'm actually on the advisory panel for that and auto tech electrification, uh, those things which are kind of moving from cars to mobility and mobility and and, and various you know kind of retailing techniques around that and finance techniques and then are these are these these conferences on your website where you're going to be appearing where you're going to be speaking at yeah yeah okay yeah and and we're hitting a particularly busy busy period right one of the things that just happened in the last year or two is that i mean i've always done conferences in the united states right uh but now i'm doing three in london 
right over the wow. next couple of months. And I'm doing one in, in Verona, Italy, uh, you know, for the European market. So that, that that's kind of fun. Um, the third is, is pure technology inside app. And, and what we do there, right? All of our transaction happens in an app, including the telematics, where we can trace a car, right? And even driving pattern. So there's a whole insure tech field that says, yeah. oh, wait a second, if we could actually get this data, you know, we could predict accidents before they happen or we could, we could prevent them. There's another one called the Embedded Finance Conference, which, uh, frankly, I didn't know I did till, until that topic came up, which is, wait a second, you're really you're evaluating and you're and you're taking this and you're taking payments and then the uh, the 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 fintech folks could take that data and say you know this person might have a credit score of, of 550 yeah right? but we're looking at the payment stream and and they're 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 punching at a 650 or a 700 level so we'll we'll evaluate them so so it involves kind of this new technology that we do by doing everything inside the app right for for the transaction. And again, that's vital to what we do because that's how, you know, that's how you can make the margin, um, you know, good for everyone, right? Uh, because we're eliminating those problems if you didn't do everything inside the app. So three buckets, one is kind of uh, automotive related and how that's changing uh, both from a consumer perspective and subscriptions uh, and with the, uh, the EV vehicles. Uh, a second is with the kind of whole mobility scheme of, hey, transportation is now mobility. So you can't just say it's cars or private ownership or a sale or a lease, right? And then the third is this whole thing that involves insure tech and fintech, and I would say pure tech by putting all that transaction inside the app. Doesn't sound like uh, you get much sleep. You've got a lot going on. <laughs> well, I, I love this stuff, right? You know, one of the, the, the neat things is that, um, and somebody pointed this out to me, right? The two bastions of tradition where there hasn't been much innovation. I mean, cars are especially retailing, but they move slowly, right? It's kind of like innovation happens every other, especially retailing area, except, except um, you know, in the automotive business, and then it gets there. And then the other, of course, is the electric utilities, which are even more steeped in tradition. And all of a sudden, yeah. in the next five years, those industries are going to change dramatically, right? right. Because they have to. And so how often do you get to kind of be in the forefront of this when lose or draw? It's just as, as, as exciting. And, 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 you know, you know, Seth, the, the numbers are large, right? We're not talking about an industry that's really small. We're talking right. about an industry that that's one of the largest in the nation. Well, it sounds like a lot is going on. One of the, one of the things that I've uh, started asking some of the uh, CEOs that uh, I've had an opportunity to speak with is, you know, many, many people in the audience always wonder like, What's a day in the life of a CEO, especially of a public company? You know, so certainly we can glean from this conversation. You're running around the United States and now internationally speaking. You know, what what does an average day look like for you? You get up early, you go to sleep late. Like, what 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 does a day look like? Um, yeah, uh, all all of the above, right? It's a little <laughs> bit crazy. I, I would like to say we're a really um, kind of sophisticated day where I'm doing highbrow strategy. And there's a piece of that, but as you know, there's a piece of everything, right? Um, right? I mean, this is a startup on steroids. So we're doing lots of things and answering lots of calls. And and again, in a lot of things of what we do, there is no 
there's no rule book, right? We're, we're breaking the mold when we do things like insure tech in, in, in inside right. the app. So it's it's a lot of variation. One of the things that you'll hear from retail car folks, right, is that they love it because every day is different. No, no day is exactly the same. And, and I would say it's the same thing with what we do, right? No day is okay. exactly the same. Uh, and there are days that are, you know, uh, you know, more fun than others, right? But 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 it's all different. <laughs> okay. Well, John, thank you for the insights. The uh, the ticker symbol is DWAY, DWAY. DWAY. And um, show you the way. I hope. I hope I hope that uh, we'll be able to reconnect again. You'll give us some updates, maybe in six or nine months, and we'll get some uh, progress reports. And in the meantime, thank you, uh, thank you for sharing your insights. Absolutely, Seth. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to me. And uh, again, uh, anytime. I love this. All right. Take care.